Hi, this is Farah Osbeck. Welcome back to Military Law and Life Matters. Um, we're now on episode nine. Um, episode nine is basically, as I had mentioned, it's another DOD guidance memo, which I refer to as the Wilkie memo. It was written by the then Undersecretary of Defense, Robert L. Wilkie, who is now the Secretary of the VA. So um, this memo was came out in July on July 25th, 2018, about a year after the Kerna memo. So I wanted to spend uh, an episode just talking about this because it's relatively new. And um, just to tell you how he addressed it, he, he said, this is to the memorandum for secretaries of the military departments, the subject guidance to military discharge review boards and board for correction of military naval records regarding equity, injustice, or clemency determinations. Again, so this is, again, I, you know, say gen generically DOD guidance, and I refer it to as the Wilkie memo, as some other people do. So in this memo, um, there's just a lot of information. And the reason I want to talk about this separately is, you know, frankly, this memo is new and I have not really seen too much of the application of this memo. It has a lot more information than the Curta memo and different type of uh, language in it. And when I first read it, I was really excited because I said, oh, this is the chance for those people who were discharged 10, 20, 30 years ago, maybe, who, you know, did something not so serious, perhaps, but enough where they got a misconduct discharge, you know, minor disciplinary infractions or pattern of misconduct type of thing. You know, they did it, but it was a long time ago. And, you know, these people, for whatever reason, it's not that they're even trying to get any benefits. Sometimes it's they just want to clear their name. They want to be able to tell their kids, like, yeah, I didn't get another than honorable discharge. Um, and I thought, wow, this is the memo that's going to do that. But I'm really not quite sure how they're applying it. I haven't seen a lot of cases. The The reading room um, is going to be back up. So I'll try to take a look at to see if I can see application. I've seen some cases where they cite it. They cite we considered the Wilkie memo, but I really thought um, the Wilkie memo would have a stronger impact. And this is what I, I want to talk about. So the Wilkie memo's letter starts out, I have it in front of me. I'm just going to read some parts of it that I thought, wow, this is really important. So in it, um, you know, now secretary, I'll refer to him because that's what he is. Secretary Wilkie said, increasing attention is being paid to pardons for criminal convictions and circumstances under which citizens should be considered for second chances and the restoration of rights forfeited as a result of such convictions, right? So in the civilian world, you can get your records expunged and you can get your you know, right to vote back and all that type of stuff. So he's, he's recognizing that. And he says, many states have developed processes restoring basic civil rights to felons, such as the right to vote, hold office, sit on a jury. And many states have developed veterans courts to consider special circumstances associated with military service. And he says that states don't have the authority, however, to collect military, to correct military records or discharges which is true. Only the DOD has that ability. Um, he goes on to say that, you know, he understands that the military, I'm not quoting verbatim now, military departments operating through these DRBs, right? Discharge review boards and BCMRs have the authority to upgrade discharges, correct military records, you know, to ensure fundamental fairness. So he said, you know, I've attached guidance that closes the gap because he said, 
that tremendous that these boards have tremendous responsibility and perform their tasks with remarkable professionalism but further guidance to inform board decisions on applications based on pardons for criminal convictions is required and he says this attached guidance closes this gap and sets clear standards while not everyone should be pardoned forgiven or upgraded in some cases fairness dictates the relief should be granted and we trust the boards will apply this guidance and give appropriate consideration to every application for relief so again it's like hey civilians have this ways you can pretty much do away with a conviction so i'm interpreted as well the military should have a way to after some period of time do away with these bad paper discharges in certain cases, of course, not in every case. Right. And, um, so that's really why, you know, there are a lot of people, that's what they're trying to do. Like they're sick and tired of till the day they die, they're going to have a DD two fourteen that says misconduct. And again, I'm not making light like, yeah, when you were in the military and you were late five times, you know, they couldn't tolerate that and you were discharged. But for the rest of it, until you're 95, do you have to have this DD-214 after serving your country for three or four years, you know, maybe being even deployed or not deployed, but serving your country pretty faithfully, but you did some things, some stupid things. Do you have to have this DD-214 that forever is going to say, you know, you commit misconduct and you got a general discharge or a or other than honorable discharge, that that's kind of the point. Like, how long do you live with this thing? How long do you have to, you know, when some people take this quite seriously, they, you know, want to have a little folder and show their kids these things. And it's really, again, I'm not talking about heinous crimes, but things where, you know, people, okay, at the time they did some things, maybe discharge was warranted at the time, but is this going to be forever? Um, that That's just the point. And I thought this this memo really was kind of to close that gap and in the certain circumstances, allow people to have their discharge paperwork upgraded. Um, so I'm hoping that's the, the way it's going to be applied, but I'm really not quite sure, but I want to talk about it. Cause again, it has some really great golden nuggets, um, in here. And it's saying, this is not just like clemency. So, you know, in other podcasts I've talked about it, but I'll talk about it now. The Discharge Review Board, let's start with that. They can upgrade something based on inequity or impropriety. Okay, right? That's one standard, inequity, impropriety. That's just based on there's something wrong with your discharge. There's another, but there's something called clemency. That's at a DRB. You can have like a bad conduct discharge from a court-martial change to a administrative, like general discharge based on clemency. And that's not because there was some error in your case, but it's just a clemency, like a gift, like, Hey, okay, we're going to give, you know, consideration Clem, we're going to give clemency. You know what that means? Clemency, right? So it said this guidance is not just like, Hey, we're giving you clemency, um, based on, you know, after 30 years, but this guy, it's saying that these, this guidance applies to all cases that um, whether it involved like a BCD where you get clemency or any discharge case, like an upgrade or a change based on inequity and propriety and based on this Wilkie memo. So he's not talking about let's close the gap just for people with BCDs who we can give clemency. It's let's close the gap for everyone. So, I mean, I don't know if there's more guidance that's going to come out this. I mean, I think it's a really good memo, but I, I really do think I have a view of the type of cases where it really should be afforded to these members. You know, people who were, you know, discharged maybe not a year ago, but, certain, you know, more time has passed. You know, they've had a great life and done great things. They're, you know, patriots. 
I would think this is like a perfect, that's a textbook case for someone to get clemency. Like, okay, you lived enough with this paper that the DD-214 that on it says misconduct, um, you know, pattern of misconduct and it, and it's things, you know, not so serious, even actually like marijuana use, like someone 30 years ago used it once. And then forever the guy has to, or gal has to live with drug abuse. Again, it was illegal at the time. It still is illegal and they were discharged, but do you forever have to have like, it's branded like the scarlet letter a on your forehead on your DD-214 until you die? Are you going to have this thing? that shows that. That's the part that I really think there's a problem with. I honestly do. I feel bad. You know, the person, unless you're going to ha- start your own business, like everyone asks you for DD-214, these people have been very resilient. They've gone on, have jobs, you know, very good citizens, done a lot of good work. And, you know, now at some point they just want their DD-214 change. So I really hope the boards can understand that, can maybe look at it that way. And if need be, if there's other guidance that needs to clarify that. But, you know, I've seen cases where there's a perfect, perfect veteran that just lived a great life after 20 years, did great stuff. And they still have this DD-214 that says drug abuse because when they were 18, they smoked marijuana. Um, I, I feel that's harsh, honestly, whereas, you know, convicted felons can have, you know, everything expunged. So that's my point here. Um, That's how I feel about that. Um, Let me just go through this. So basically, again, this Wilkie memo, I highly recommend you download it um, and and read it. It's on my website, actually. I couldn't find it on the internet, so then I copied and pasted it into like a blog article without putting, um, I put like everything in there so you could read it because it's got some really great nuggets in there. So you know what it says is that um, these these boards, they're basically... they should understand that we should honor the sacrifices and achievements of veterans and punish to only to the extent necessary to rehabilitate to the greatest extent possible, to favor second chances in situations where individuals has paid for their misdeeds. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Second chances, you've paid for your misdeed. Like how 30 years later, like the poor guy is going to still have a DD-214 that says, drug abuse, and it wasn't like distributing use of marijuana. So for 30 years, this guy has to live with that. I honestly feel that's, it's not right. Because if you look at it again, it's not black and white, but you know, a a veteran served their country almost maybe, maybe three years. Then they worked for 30 years, had very, was honorable, raised kids, had a family and they're going to have to live with that. So I guess you could tell how I'm really, I feel there's like something wrong with that that there needs to be more of a push to change those types of discharges. Again, it's case by case, fact by fact, but I think this letter, this memo is the perfect letter to grant discharge upgrades and changes based on those type of scenarios. Um, and it talks about relief should be reserved not only for those with exceptional aptitude, but aptitude, but character and rehabilitation should weigh more heavily. Again, rehabilitation, you've lived a, no, a noble life for the no- last 10 years, 20 years or so. Um, it says an honorable discharge does not require flawless military service. That's in the Curta memo too. We know that. I mean, you can get an article 15 and still get an honorable discharge. So that's, that's a no brainer. Um, and it says that, you know, evidence in support of relief may came from, come from sources other than a veteran service memo. Uh, let me see some things that are different. Um, then in the curve, some of this is re- repetition from the Curta memo, which is good. It's reinforcing like, yep, we agree. We agree that the, some offenses um, 
change their relative severity change over time. So again, he's reiterating that marijuana provision in the Curtin memo. Um, the other thing it has here that's important is, so there's one paragraph, paragraph seven, it says, in determining whether to grant relief based on the basis of equity and justice or clemency, these boards, DRBs and ACMRs, also consider the following as applicable. So the applicant's candor, like so their honesty, right? So in, you can tell from the file, from their letter, their candor, whether the punishment, including any collateral consequences, was too harsh. Yes, yeah, sometimes someone gets some punishment and the consequences are way too harsh. Um, as I'm saying, I think it's way too harsh if you have to live with a D214 for 30 years because you were late for work six times. That's pretty harsh. It says also look at the aggravating and mitigating facts related to the record or punishment. Okay, so what's aggravating and mitigating? Again, that's pretty standard in all cases. Look at positive or net negative conduct after. It says post-conviction, but this is not just talking about court-martial stuff. But after your service, it should include, like, what kind of life did you lead after? What was the severity of the misconduct, length of time since misconduct? Whether the member take, um, accept responsibility, remorse, atonement for the misconduct. I mean, how necessary is this relief? Well, I would think these, this actually could also apply to people who have a, a severe, some type of in-service connected disability, PTSD, mental health disorder, but you know, they don't get disability benefits because they have an OTH discharge. So I would say the relief is quite necessary in that case. The character and reputation of the applicant, the age, critical illness or old age. So, you know, that's maybe a factor if, if someone's like on their deathbed and they want to change their D214 or they're old, you know, in olden years and, and want to change it before they die so they can be buried with a D214 or leave that legacy to their, to their family members. Um, Meritory service in government or other endeavors. So people like then some some of them actually continue to serve in the government. They get a government job and do very well. That's definitely very meritorious and should be considered availability. I mean, uh, evidence of rehabilitation, availability of other remedies. Like what other remedies? There's no other way. Yeah, there is no availability of other remedies because you can't get your discharge paperwork corrected by any other entity. It has to be by the DOD, the service you're in. Um, whether it was a result of youthful indiscretion, a lot of times it is. A lot of clients, it's like they just enlisted, they're 18, 19, um, you know, 20 even is, is so young. I mean, honestly, 25 is young too. But I mean, these kids are young and do stupid things and they have to live with it the rest of their life. Character references they have, letters of recommendation, if there's victim, a victim support things like that. So it gives you like, you know, 15 different things to view. So I'm wondering really, you know, I don't believe this guidance just applies for clemency for like, oh, I got a BCD, so I'm going to DRB so they can change my BCD to a general discharge or honorable. Or I'm going to the BCMR because I went to a general court martial and I got a DD, dishonorable discharge, or a BCD because you have to go to the BCMR if you actually went got a punitive discharge from a general court martial. You can only go to the DRB if it's from a special court martial, but again, there's that 15 year rule. So if you're over a 15 year rule, you can't go to the DRB, go to the BCMR. So it's like a little maze there. But anyway, um, 
Yeah. So I don't think it's just like, oh, if you have like some conviction, because you know, these boards, by the way, if you don't know, they can't take away your conviction. That's can only be done through appellate courts, like where they can overturn the conviction. These boards, all they can do is change the discharge. So they can change a BCD to a, a general or an honorable or a DD to a general or honorable or, you know, to an UOTHC, at least not punitive. So a, a dishonorable discharge or a BCD, bad conduct discharge, is I just laughed. I, I just had to mention. I I remember when I was a young jag. I, they, for some reason, they they called the BCD the big big chicken dicker, big chicken dinner. I just thought of that. I don't know why, but um, it's uh, I, I don't know if they still call it that. But you know how they every come up with different phrases. So anyway, um, not not to laugh about it because it's very significant. But I I just laughed because of the way it was, you know, referred to the big chicken dinner. So, um, but you know, it has a very serious effect on people. So on their lives, you know, now not, not only did they discharge, I got a bad conduct discharge. So my point I want to make is my view of this letter. It's not just, it doesn't just apply to court martial convictions and punitive discharge. It applies to discharge upgrades of people who, you know, are living with the consequences of this. So I really thought this was a powerful letter. So I hope to see when I see these cases posted, I hope to see that the boards are applying them where they're thinking of all of that. And, and to explain it, like that army case I talked about in the last episode, um, when we we're talking about the Curta memo, et cetera, like it was a really detailed write-up explaining everything. Sometimes I fail to see detailed write-ups. So it's it's hard to understand. Is it just like, oh no, yeah, this guy doesn't marry it? Or is, you know, what's the analysis? Like why, you know, I've seen, oh, we consider the, the Wilkie memo. Well, how did you consider it if the client has been in, you know, it's been 30 years, he's a model citizen, hangs up his American flag every day, you know, day. Like this guy is like a huge patriot, loved, still loved his service, even though he's discharged, where, you know, he might have deserved as this charge. But now, you know, he's going on 60 and he still has this thing, drug abuse for one time use of marijuana. That's what I'd like to know. Like what, if there's nothing else bad in his record and he did this youthful indiscretion, why wouldn't this guy's discharge be upgraded? I'd really like to know that. Um, and I, I, I like the boards to, it would be really nice if the boards enunciate that other than, well, you know what he did, like they need to apply and say, okay, we looked at the Wilkie memo, but we don't, you know, say we don't agree with that doesn't apply or explain because I have a hard time understanding how, if it's not addressed, like how does the board arbitrarily say, no, we're not upgrading it. So I think it's a powerful memo. I really highly recommend you read it. I use it. I, I quote everything. I go through that. In certain cases, like certain cases this applies to. And I think it's great. And I certainly hope um, it's applied the way I believe it was intended to. And uh, yeah, so again, if you want to look at that, I wasn't able to find it like on a Google search, but I did copy and copy that. Like I actually typed it up in a Word document and then put it on a blog post. So just look at it's like the it's called the Wilkie memo. It's one of my blog posts. Um, it's just look down and read it. It's it's really has got some great stuff in there. Shows they had a really great intent of really trying to be fair to people who you know did some things, but you know, okay, like 20, 30 years. Like how long do you have to live with this thing? Is the point? It, that's how I understood it. Don't know if I'm wrong, but that's how I interpret this memo. So um, it's a it's a great uh, write up. So I recommend you to read it. Um, and I think that's going to wrap it up for today. And that's, I guess, a short one, but I wanted to make that a special episode, a separate one, because the other one was too, 
getting too long as well. But I really look forward to talking to you next time. Uh, we have a couple of more to go, and I, I'm really happy. I'm trying to give some detailed information. So at least you, even if you can't do this yourself, you can issue spot. You know the issues. You understand that, okay, you know, maybe my case won't be upgraded. Or, wow, I think I have a good shot at this. I'm going to try this myself. I mean, that's the point of this. It's it's to really teach you and give you all the information that you may be able to do it yourself. But if you can't, when you go to the VSO or you try to work with an attorney, at least you know the information you're going to need. You're going to say, oh, I better get my records with the SF-180 before I call an attorney because that's what they're going to tell me to get. I better do this. And it just kind of gives you a step-by-step guide. Um, so I'm glad I'm um, getting this out there. And, you know, as always, you know, happy to answer any questions. But As always, until next time, never, ever give up because there's always hope. Talk to you next time.